0: They prayed, and they pushed. I'm talking about Mary, our Blessed Mother, the Apostles, and the other disciples of Jesus who were gathered together in the upper room from Ascension Thursday to Pentecost Sunday. We're told in our first reading today that after Jesus ascended into heaven on Ascension Thursday, The apostles went back to Jerusalem, to the upper room where the Last Supper had taken place. They went there along with Mary, our Blessed Mother, and some other disciples of Jesus, and some of our Lord's relatives. The text says that they, and here I quote, "...devoted themselves with one accord to prayer." Now what exactly were they praying for? Well, Jesus had specifically told them not to leave Jerusalem, but rather to wait for what he called the promise of the Father. And exactly what was that promise of the Father? Well, the apostles, I'm sure, they didn't fully understand what that promise was, what it entailed. But Jesus definitely made a big deal about it, since he spoke of this promise, this gift, whom he also referred to as the Advocate and the Paraclete, he spoke about this reality both before and after his Passion, Death and Resurrection. So obviously Jesus thought it was really important. We know, of course, that this promise, this gift, was a person, a divine person, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, who would descend upon all of them at Pentecost and give them power, the power they needed to go forth and witness to their faith and convert the world. This, by the way, is where the Sacrament of Confirmation comes from. This is what the Sacrament of Confirmation is all about. If someone ever says to you, why do you Catholics receive a second outpouring of the Holy Spirit when you've already received the Spirit in baptism, you should respond to that person, look, We receive the Spirit in confirmation. We receive the Spirit this second time so that we can go out there and be effective witnesses to Jesus Christ and our Catholic faith in the world. We receive the Sacrament of Confirmation so that we will have the power to, as Pope Francis would say, rebel against the culture, the materialistic, hedonistic, godless culture in which we're now living. It's not so that a person can get married in the Church. That's not the purpose of the Sacrament of Confirmation. It's not so that a person can be considered an adult in the Church. Look, if you're over 18 and you're a baptized Catholic, then you're an adult in the Church, regardless of whether you're confirmed or not. My goodness, no wonder our society is so messed up. Most of you know the current situation. We have a lot of confirmed Catholics out there, especially in public life, all over our society, who work really hard, really, really hard. They work overtime at promoting just about everything that is contrary to Jesus Christ and his teaching. Abortion, gay marriage, you know the whole list. And they see absolutely, positively, nothing wrong with promoting these things. These people are ignorant, completely ignorant, perhaps willfully so, of the meaning of confirmation, of this sacrament that they once received. And so they're not witnesses to Christ. They're actually anti-witnesses to Jesus in the modern world. They need our prayers. They need a lot of prayers. Prayers that they will open their hearts to the gift they once received on the day they were confirmed. And speaking of prayer, this is, as I said earlier, what Mary and the other the apostles and the other disciples were doing in the upper room after the Ascension. But as I said also a few moments ago, they didn't simply pray, they pushed. And in that, they're great role models for all of us. Father Ray, what are you talking about? Are you telling us they pushed each other around and had a big rumble in the upper room? No, that's not what I'm saying. PUSH here is an acronym. It's an acronym that I'm sure at least some of you are familiar with. The letters of that acronym stand for the following. Pray until something happens. PUSH. The followers of Jesus, who were gathered in that upper room, from Ascension Thursday to Pentecost Sunday, didn't just pray, they prayed until something happened. Now, if they had not done that, if they had not pushed as they did, I hope you realize, there would have been no Pentecost. If they had said, you know what, we'll give this three days. Jesus said he's going to give us something We'll pray for three days. If he doesn't give us this promised gift by then, we'll just go back to our families and our old jobs and our old way of life. If they had said that, they would have missed the Spirit when he actually came. The same is true if they had stopped praying after four days or five days or six days or seven days or even eight days. Now, because it's 2,000 years after the fact, we all know it ended up being nine days. Which means, by the way, that it was the very first novena ever prayed. Many of you pray novenas, nine days of prayer for a specific intention. Well, this was the first novena. The Spirit finally descended on them on the tenth day, Pentecost Sunday. But they didn't know it was going to happen that way. Jesus hadn't given them a timetable. He hadn't given them a schedule in advance. He simply told them, look, you pray until the promise is fulfilled, which is exactly what they did. And I believe they would have done that even if the Lord had made them wait a hundred days or more. Now, the reason I mention this today should be obvious. We all pray for a lot of things. We pray for God to bless us and help us. We pray for God to bless and help other people in various ways. But when the Lord doesn't seem to respond immediately to our prayers, we can be tempted. We can be tempted to throw in the towel. We pray, in other words, but we do not always push. Which is a big mistake. Because even when God doesn't say yes immediately to what we ask him for, I believe he still wants to give us something. Something that we have a greater need for at that particular moment. I'll give you a personal example. This is the best one I can use on a personal level. Obviously, since I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in 2010, I've been praying to be healed of it. I do not like this disease. It annoys me. It frustrates me very often. I'm praying to be healed. And many of you have been doing the same thing. You've been praying that same intention for me in your daily prayers. And I sincerely thank you for that. Now, God hasn't said yes to that prayer. At least not yet. But I intend to keep on pushing And I'd greatly appreciate it if you did the same. But does that mean our request for God's help has gone unheeded? That God's been asleep, that he hasn't heard, that he hasn't done anything? No! God has definitely been at work. You know, one of the most difficult things with any serious illness, and many of you know this by your own experience with cancer or heart disease or diabetes or Parkinson's or whatever, One of the most difficult things with a serious illness is coming to the point of acceptance and staying positive. It's reconciling yourself to the fact that you've got a serious condition, that you've got a problem, and you need to deal with it as best you can with the grace and help of God. Well, thankfully, I've been able to do that. Once I got over the initial shock of hearing the diagnosis, I was able, with God's grace and help, the fruit of prayer, I was able to deal with it pretty well, and I have been able to deal with it pretty well. And although I do admit I have my moments of frustration when I'm not able to do things as quickly or as effectively as I used to do them, most of the time I remain pretty positive. I believe that's also the fruit of prayer. And you know, in three and a half years, the disease hasn't progressed all that much, which is yet another great blessing that I thank God for. So even though the Lord hasn't healed me yet, He has done something. I've prayed, many of you have prayed, and something has happened. Now we need to continue to pray until something else happens. And that's the point. Yes, we should pray our prayers of petition until something happens, but then we should keep on praying until something else happens. Which is precisely what Mary and the Apostles did. They prayed until the Holy Spirit came down on them at Pentecost, but they didn't stop praying at that point. Rather, they continued to pray until the next something happened, and so on and so on, and so on. Let me put it to you this way, and I'll end with this thought. We've all heard the saying, life is a rush. Well, for the Christian, the true follower of Jesus Christ, life is also a push. And that push, that act of praying until something happens, is supposed to continue, until the end of our lives. And the good news is, if it does, in all likelihood, in the end, Jesus will literally push us and many of the people that we have prayed for into his kingdom.